Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So it's good to be back, and I'm, I'm so in love with this church. I know it's not my church officially. I'm in love with you guys, so it's very nice to be here. Any opportunity, invite me back, please, if you can. <laughs> We're doing a series on Sabbath, as you know. We're on week three, and I'll start with a pause. There's a verse, which, or a couple of verses in Matthew, which is Jesus speaking, but this is a paraphrase in the, in the message version. So close our eyes, let's listen to the words, paraphrased words of Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't let anything, I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let's close our eyes and just pause. So what's controversial about that? Jesus inviting us to take a pause. <clears throat> Who can say that those words inviting us to recovery, uh, calling us to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, would ever get us into trouble? I mean, who's, who's not in favor of that? You know, Sabbath... Surely isn't that just everybody's desire if they could get to that point in their lives where they could create Sabbath? Wouldn't everyone want it? So uh, isn't everybody in favor of Sabbath? And this is where I want to say, no, it's not common sense. I want to propose that it's anything but, and that it's not just a religious spin or translation of what is everybody's self-evident need for recovery time. Sabbath is not just taking time out to recover from our frenetic drivenness to then start up again and go back to Monday morning. Sabbath is not just a life enhancer, it is a vital, a life and death habit. And it's about refusing or defying. <clears throat> now, what is it, what is possibly there to be defied or refused by Sabbath? And I'm going to say these two things. It's overconsumption and unceasing production. They're shaping us. The forces of unceasing production and overconsumption are shaping us more than we realize. We don't realize that those are the forces that we are surrounded by that are working on us day in, day out. You know, it's the assumption that we make, the unbridled consumption and extreme and ever so efficient production is just everybody's normal. And surely that's what we should want. That efficiency and, and massive production is great, and even overconsumption is fine as long as the supermarkets don't run out of stuff. But into this normal that we swim in, this is our culture, comes Sabbath as a radical interruption not just, as I say, a quality of life enhancement, but something that is whether we get a life at all. It's about whether we have a life to live that's worth living. 
I know it sounds pretty heavy to say that Sabbath is a life and death matter, but I want to make that the theme of this morning as, as we go on it. I want to tell you the stories. You probably are familiar with the story of the Israelites leaving Egypt in their 24-7, 365-day-a-year slave culture, building those pyramids. And the story goes that they, they were able to get out of that system. But the desert that they went into was a training experience. They had to go through so much of this detox from the culture that said that everything hinged around production. So for many generations, all they had known was to be worked to the bone, to be under the whip, and to be grinded down by the need to produce ever more without any interruption. So to get out of that, literally, and to get through the, story, the Red Sea story and to get into the desert was not enough. They had to get that whole way of thinking about the world out of their system. And it took an awful lot of training. And it took experiences like the manna and the quail, which some of us might know if we were in Sunday school many years ago and we remember the story of the fluffy stuff that came down like, cereal, like breakfast cereal and you'd pick it off the ground, and then on the day six, you'd get more than you needed so that you could rest from even gathering it on day seven. And the quail, has anyone seen a quail? It's a small little bird that apparently is edible. <laughs> Flying in on a, on a windy day, every day, meat. And then on the sixth day, they wouldn't need to worry about the seventh day because they'd have so much they could keep it. So there was something going on here, which is about a detox program to say, get out of this idea that the world is all about your effort, and it's all about productivity. And then they reach the mountain, Mount Sinai, and what is at the middle of this 10 words, the Decalogue, the 10 commandments we call it, is the hinges around the word, the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath. So they actually were people who Credible, it's not credible, is it? But they, didn't, they wanted to go back. They kept on saying to Moses, we want to go back where at least we can rely on the systems that are familiar to us. And so many of them wanted to do that, but they had to get this manna quail world into their system. They had to get this Sabbath-keeping approach to life incorporated into their way of seeing that the world is not about struggle and maintaining a certain system of productivity. That the world is God's world and they can be recipients. They can be able to receive from the abundance of God, even brought in on an east wind. They can be the people that don't need to make all the effort. They can actually relax and wait on God. It's not all about heavy loads on their backs. As Jesus says, come to me and I'll show you how to carry the world, if you like, on your shoulders without it breaking you. Egypt... That was the empire they were part of. But like America today, which is also an empire, dare I say it, it has the dogma of scarcity culture. Have you heard that? Scarcity culture. It's the idea that there is nothing that w w other than what you have produced. And it's the idea that the effort that you make has to be sufficient for you and yours, even if you leave other people behind. But Sabbath is an interruption of that assumption about everything being so scarce, and it's saying, no, the world is an abundant place because God has created abundance in the world, but we need to be self-limiting, self-regulating. 
I know it sounds platitudinous like to say that there's enough for everyone's need but not enough for everyone's greed, but that is so clearly what Sabbath is about. It's saying the world is not scarce. It is not about a grinding effort to produce out of a resisting setup. It's not about ransacking a warehouse and getting all the stuff into your arms before somebody else can get it. That's a scarcity culture that we are being educated in all the time, but we don't realize it. And into that comes Sabbath, which says the world is a place of abundance, but we need to stop and resist the urge to think it's all about us and our effort and our massive attempt attempt to produce and consume all the time. You know God took a Sabbath? That's the thing that's so striking from Exodus 31, 31, 16, that God says he had his own soul refreshed. He resold God's self. Mothers get the need for coming back to themselves sometimes when they're so fragmented and and distracted by the multiple obligations. Well, God was being able to resoul God's self on day seven. That's what it says. God rested and was refreshed, resold. Why am I saying that? Because that was the God they were being educated to believe in, not the God of Egypt, not the God of Pharaoh, not the God of scarcity. No pharaoh would have ever have been able to say that he takes a day off to be refreshed. No Egypt god would have been giving the people that sort of impression that there was time available for that. And whether you talk about then, which is 1400 BCE with Egypt, or you talk about America today, we need to recall that this, this culture is trying to turn us into people who have no souls, whose life is only to consume or produce, one or the other. So I'm saying to you, Sabbath is not common sense. Sabbath is resistance. Is that a poor quality pun? It's not common sense, it's resistance. All right, it's an interruption to what we think of as being everybody's need for more. And neither is Sabbath a life life enhancer that simply gets us charged up again for Monday so that we can be even better at shopping and even better at working. That's not it, okay. I've got a few little points. I'm going to try and make them brief and succinct to help us to anchor this in our lives. Sabbath, first of all, is about our money, not just our time. Now, of course, we always seem to read the Bible as if we have no money. But the Bible's always pointing out that we are very wedded to our stuff. So how can we read the Bible and not expect to find comments about money, stuff, possessions? And exactly the same happens with Sabbath. We think Sabbath is just about time and that's somehow safe, but it's also about our stuff. Sabbath is necessarily about what we earn, our possessions, our property. Now remember what I said about our culture, which treats the world like a warehouse that we're just able to go and freely ransack until there's not enough left. And Sabbath says, hang on a sec, wait. The world is abundant. The world is full up. God has made it that way. But of course, that's a heresy to say that you should self-limit. To say that there's enough without our effort is a heresy. So we need to say, Sabbath is advocating for us to say, God made the world sufficient if we self-limit. And we don't like that. That's something that seems to grate against what we have been learning all our lives. You know, there's a phrase that keeps cropping up in the Bible there were no more poor among them. It comes from the same era as Sabbath, Sinai, Egypt, coming out of Egypt. 
The poor you will no longer have among you. And then it pops up again in the early, early days of the Christian community in Acts chapter 4, when they're offloading their property. They've got this sort of like, oh, come and give us all your land rights, your, you know, your deeds of property ownership. Let's pool it. And let's make sure that there are no more poor among us in the infant Christian church. So the practice of Sabbath is not just about time, it's about stuff. You know, there's this super Sabbath that's happening on the seventh of the seventh, the seventh year of the seventh year, year 49. What happens in the year 49? The Jubilee. It's, it's about this idea that your property goes back to the original owner, even if they've had to release it because of debt. And it means that all your debts are released. And they, they had a sort of a strange approach to how to prevent people from raising the interest rates in the last bit of the year 47, 48. They tried to make it an actual workable economic. Every 50th year, there'd be a release of all debt. That's part of Sabbath. But we don't think of it as being Sabbath. It's not about time and about time off. But it is equally about Sabbath. It's about releasing ourselves from this mentality that says everything is there to be grabbed and kept and held onto and, and massively increased until we have got sufficient and forget about our neighbor. I'm thinking that we all talk about tithing, and that seems like a big ambition to get 10% of our stuff off us. Why don't we talk about a seventh, a Sabbath <laughs> of our stuff, not just our time, but our stuff. So you've got this extra few percent, that's it, 4%, 5% extra, that you can say, well, I'm going to use that to try and work out how to be more creative about recognizing that the world is enough, not for everyone's greed, but for everyone's need. So what do you do with that extra percentage that you could do? You could, give it, you could give it away as simple cash donations, or you could be more creative with what you have. We're struggling at the moment because we've got a fairly new car, and we've been used to having a car share, but with an old car, that's easy. With a newer car, you think, oh, do I really want to do that? Absolutely. If you've got a car and you've got insurance, then you can find 10 other people that don't have a car and perhaps might want a car sometimes, and you can make sure you share it. And that's like a Sabbath practice. Because we have enough. We don't need, and nobody in New York City really needs a car to get to work unless you're living miles out. So this is like one of those things that you surely can learn to share with or be able to embed in your practice of daily, weekly, monthly Sabbath is to ensure that your property is not just seen as your own. Maybe a car. Maybe something else is around that you could do, like a place that you've got access to that's out of the city. So I'm just encouraging you to think of Sabbath as not just about your time, but about your stuff. And interrupting that mentality that says, I have to be so possessive. I've got a rush. Number two, Sabbath is about our neighbor, not just about our immediate family. Because, of course, the nuclear family is the, the apex of consumption in America today. It's the ultimate place where the maximum amount of money goes round in that very tight, intimate circle of the biological family or the household. And that's what Sabbath is here to interrupt as well. And it does so by saying these words, and this is a quote from, my, from Exodus 23. Six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household and the foreigner living among you may be refreshed. It goes there straight away. Isn't that strange? It's talking about Sabbath, but it goes straight away to the people who are likely to get left behind or forced to work when others are taking their ease. And so it is with us today. Thousands of years later, we have to say Sabbath surely should be about redirecting us 
proactively going out of our immediate safety zone of who is mine and starting to say, maybe you need to be more porous. Maybe you need to be more outgoing. Now, that doesn't sound very relaxing because you know what? Getting to know at least 10 neighbors over the next six months could be like a real chore. If you know the sort of neighbors I'm thinking of, it could be a real struggle to imagine that you would ever get there. And I'm thinking to myself, am I saying to you, open the door, open the table? Because that might work in some communities, but in New York City, it's difficult because you're crammed into your apartment and nothing's really where it should be yet and you're still half moved in, moved out, and there's loads of clutter. And anyway, I don't know whether I'm, I'm able to provide enough space to have people around my kitchen table. It'd be nice and quaint to think we could. But remember, summer's coming and, and it's going to be picnic season and cookout time. So we can do this type of open hospitality, which is embedded in the Sabbath discipline. We can do this, and we can do it in a way that is appropriate to New York, and we can say we're going to have food outside, and we're going to invite people without being weird about it, without being patronizing or goofy. We're going to go and invite people that we only know by face, not by name yet, or we may may know their first name, but we know nothing about them. I would challenge us, and I'm including myself, to think of 10 people that live around you, immediately around you, and make it your task as your Sabbath effort for the next six months to see if you can get together with them around food. So, community meals, not just household celebratory meals, but community celebratory meals, propelling us outwards. Sabbath is about not just time, but money. Sabbath is not just about my immediate family or household, it's about my neighbors. And then third, Sabbath is about keeping open, this is a long-winded phrase, keeping open imaginative possibilities that would so easily get shut down. Sabbath is about keeping open imaginative possibilities that would so easily get shut down. You know what the problem is? We don't even realize we're in an empire. We don't realize that we are trying to do something under a very heavy burden of may not look like pyramids out there may not look like bricks without straw but it definitely can be like that and we've made an America empire that is also an America empire of consumption we might not realize that it's doing us in but consuming so much at all costs being such good spectators and such good recipients of entertainment is making us die a little every time So we don't realize it because it's the atmosphere we breathe, it's the water we swim in. So this is what I'm saying. Sabbath is an interruption to that and it creates an imaginative possibility. I can't even say it. An imaginative possibility, which otherwise we would not even realize was open to us. You know, in a change who I belong to, we've got 130 of us in 20 different cities. But what happens in our, we keep Sabbath as one of our big priorities. I mean, for me and Naomi, it's probably only four or five hours a week each, but it's still a Sabbath, and it's quite a big dent on our programming. may not be a whole day, but interchange values Sabbath, and part of what happens in that Sabbath is we recall who we're connected to. So I'm thinking of people in the slums of Addis, Ababa. I'm thinking of people in the township outside in um, Pretoria. I'm thinking of people in a dump, in garbage dump in Honduras. And of course, I'm thinking of our American interchange family as well. And it connects me, and it makes us all wake up to the fact that, oh, wow, we're in an empire, and we need to be cautious. And if it wasn't for that four or five hours, or that whole 24 hours, if it can be, we wouldn't do that. 
we would just blunder on. And I'm just thinking to myself, thank God that we have Sabbath to help us to remember to detox, to remember who we really are, and to get rid of all this uh, baloney about America being Christian America or being somehow a society that is built on Christian foundations because we need to remember we're a bit like runaway slaves. And we are in an empire right now. And we, we should be calling this place an empire that we are trying to get out of, even though it's trying to get its paws on us all the time. It is said that Jesus and his fellow Jews saw the Sabbath as the moment when every single week the age to come would appear in advance in their ordinary lives. Do you get that? The Sabbath was like an, an enactment of what is future but is now happening right now. It's a future now. That's what Sabbath was supposed to do for them, was to give them a breathing space in which to imagine how God wants the world to truly be. And it's absolutely vital to us that we have a breathing space that gives us that imaginative opener that says, how would God want your life to be in the next six months? Or are you just going to do more of this grinding, repetitious, unceasing production? Unbridled, restless consumption? And then finally, that was the imaginative possibilities. Now I'm going to say that Sabbath is not about heroes. It's about us being ordinary radicals. It doesn't quite seem to follow the flow, but I stuck it in anyway, because you know it's so important. When we're thinking about justice and shalom and God's deep love for justice in the world, and we get all excited about, wow, we can change the world, we can mend the world. <clears throat> and we get almost a bit heroic and a bit over ourselves about how much we can change, and we can lose perspective. And we need to understand, you and I need to understand we're not in control, especially as we see how violent we thought wars were behind us, how violent the world is right now, how destructive, how despoiled, how many billions of dollars are going into blowing up people's homes, lives, even women and children. And you think this is the world that we live in right now, within reach of us. Somehow we get perspective when we realize we're not in control. What do I mean? When, when Jews celebrate Sabbath, they don't start in the morning, do they? You know they start in the evening? Because Sabbath starts on the evening at sundown. But we think, oh, ever so wise, that everything really significant happens from daybreak onwards. So we celebrate and we think about our Sabbath as starting in the morning. But what if you realize that God has been up all night? And we, we weren't involved. What if, if this is about understanding our lives where God has been working, busily working without us, and we, got, we join God halfway through God's day? It sounds a bit strange, but I think it's important that Sabbath reminds us that we're not in control, we're not heroes, we're just ordinary radicals. And so Sabbath happening to us is a jump start to realize that we are not the center of the story. And a lot of destruction comes out of thinking of ourselves as saving the world. I cannot believe it, but right now Putin thinks that he is saving Ukraine or saving the world, his world, by every means possible. The language of hero and savior is so destructive and it's, it's created a lot of bewilderment as people bludgeoning around 
claiming to be changing the world in the way they want. So we have to know that Sabbath disrupts that and says we are displaced, decentered, and refocused on the fact that God has been busy working without us and we are joining God halfway through or near the end. So please can we say that Sabbath is about us becoming ordinary radicals and not heroes all the time. You know, I said that Sabbath is not just a life enhancer, but is a life and death interruption of this life around us that is called empire. Well, a Lutheran pastor once told about, I've been having stories about women and children walking through evacuation corridors, playing in my head. I've imagined it many days, as you probably all, probably all have done that, thinking about people escaping from war. Well, there was a Lutheran pastor that told a story about a woman who had walked, this is a wonderful story for Mother's Day, a woman who'd walked 700 miles as a refugee to escape a war zone. And finally, she crossed a national boundary to get out of the war zone, and she walked all that way, 700 miles. And she brought with her an eight-year-old girl who walked beside her, and for 700 miles, the child held her hand tightly. And when they reached the safety, the girl loosened her grip, and the woman looked at her hand, and it was raw and bloody with an open wound because the little girl had held on tightly in her fearfulness. And I think Sabbath is like holding, not just lightly, casually, but holding on for dear life in a world that is really out to get us. We're walking through a war zone. We may not realize it, but we are. And we need Sabbath like we need to hold the hands of our God. We need to learn how to use Sabbath as a life and death grip to keep us somehow able to be true to the world that God is bringing into birth. Sabbath is serious work. It's not common sense. It's resistance and it's defiance. And please can we make this our vital contribution to each other and say it's not just like, are you doing a gym membership yet? Which is important, and I've, I've just started. But it is about saying, no, this is, a more, this is more of a hidden struggle and we just don't have anybody else out there queuing us to do it. Or if they queue us, they think they're doing it by saying, I'll take some time off. But it's not. It's more than that. It's so much more than that. It's a life and death grip. So please, I know it sounds heavy to say that, but let's keep that in our minds and hearts. Sabbath is so much about more than having a day off. But thank you for everything we're doing in this four-week series. Is it four weeks? Yeah, it's worth it. It's so important that we go back over the material. So let's close our eyes and pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we go back to your words and say, we want your unforced rhythms of grace. And it's not just about something optional. These unforced rhythms of grace, which we learn only from you, they are life in a, in a time of multiple threats to life. This is the core of our life if we were letting it speak to us. The Sabbath 
surely can be our way of getting our way through this world. Help us, please. Give us nudges. Give us each other as good friends willing to ask difficult questions. Help this community here to love the Sabbath and to know that we need it. We so need it. And we ask it in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall.